0: Good morning, Centerway Church. My name is Eric and I am so thankful for another opportunity to gather online together. We wanna to welcome everyone on our live platform right now, including those gathering and watch parties today. And we definitely don't wanna forget about those watching or listening to this later. We're really so glad that you're choosing to be with us today. And we trust that you're having a great 4th of July weekend. And it's our hope that in the midst of celebrating and picnics and fireworks, that you pause and thank God for the United States as well as take time to pray. We know it's easy to be overwhelmed by the many challenges we face as a country, but instead of becoming discouraged at the state of our nation, we can be grateful and even hopeful as we continue to pray and model what it really looks like to love each other. Now, there are some logistical things we run through every week and that, so any guests that we have today know a little bit about what to expect and how to engage. First, we say this every week, If you or someone you know needs assistance or prayer, we'd love to help in any way that we can. And if you have any ideas on ways to serve each other in this season, please email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Here's a quick list of things to note for today. We want to encourage and support you as you journey with Jesus, and we have resources available for you and everyone in your family. There are Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals, wallpapers to remind you of the weekly application question, and a message just for kids. Our CenterWay kids get to hear a kid-friendly version of the same content and text you're about to hear. And if you have kids in your home, you can talk about the application question together and grow as a family. If you're watching live, there are tabs to share your info, to give, to take next steps, to find previous messages, request prayer, and even share this message. If you're watching or listening later, you can do those things through our website. Now, one last thing to note, if you're looking to gather for a watch party or you wanna host a watch party and you need help connecting with other people, email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com and we'll be happy to help. Now, here's what to expect for today. In just a moment, Becca will be reading the scripture text for us, Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then you'll hear some ways to respond in worship. Immediately after the message, you can head over to Instagram Live or Facebook Live as a way to respond through song. Now here's Becca with the text for today.
1: Good morning, Centerway. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're so glad you're here. My name is Becca and I'll be reading the scripture this morning. And today we are in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Good morning and welcome. My name is Claude and my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Uh, So excited that we have the opportunity to be with you this morning and that you've chosen to be with us. Uh, We're continuing in a series called For the Love. For the Love, and uh, it's a continuation through a journey of 1 John that began with the series prior, and this morning we pick up in chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 that you just heard read, and uh, we lean into For the Love, and this morning's title is Do Something. For the Love, Do Something. um As a pastor, over the years, I've had opportunities to go into hospitals and um, pray with people in their last hours, tragically, and uh, sometimes uh, be able to pray with them and celebrate the birth of a child and all different experiences in and through hospitals over the years. Um, There's one uh, experience that I had that kind of stands out above others because it was a— it was a call that I got to go and, uh, pray with somebody before they went into, uh, a surgery, a procedure that was rather minor. And, uh, I just assumed that the family was a little unsettled about it. And so I showed up at the hospital, kind of went through the process I was going to go and pray with this man. I didn't really know him. Um, they had a connection, uh, to the church that I served at prior and, uh, I didn't know him and he didn't really know me. And so it was a little bit awkward, but that would happen from time to time. And so I went in to pray with him and, uh, and he called me father and, uh, I was like, well, I'm, I'm not a priest. I'm, I'm a pastor. And he's like, Oh, okay. He's like, well, um, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm ready to go. And, uh, I was like, all right. So you, so you have a good feeling about the, the surgery. And he looked at me kind of sideways. He's like, no, I, I mean, I'm ready to, to go. And I'm thinking bathroom. I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Cause this was a very minor procedure. And he said, I'm ready to be with the Lord. And I was like, what? And I'm thinking, uh, did I miss something? Was the message confused? And so I was like, could, could you hold on one second? And he goes, sure. I said, I'll be right back with you. I just, I have to collect some things and I'll be right back. So I go out and the family's in the waiting room. And I said, J- just so we're clear here, wh- what is the procedure he's having? And so they clarified it. And I said, okay, he, he's saying he's ready to go, like die. And they're like, What? I'm like, yeah, like, I think he thinks this is it. Do you, do you have any sense of that at all? And they're like, no, not at all. And so then they start to kind of get a little bit concerned. And so I go back into the room and, and I said, hey, listen, I just want to explain to you, Like this is a rather typical procedure. There's, there's nothing to be concerned about here. And he said, I'm just, I'm ready to go. I'm at peace. My kids know that I love them. My wife knows I love her and, and I'm ready to go. If, if that's what comes out of this, then I'm ready for it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm sure the family will be, you know, excited to, to know that you're at peace, you know, but we don't think that's necessary. I said, can we bring the family in to kind of pray together? And he's like, sure. So the family kind of comes in, we come around his bed. And, uh, and so I just said, you know, do you, do you want to tell them what you just told me? And he goes, nah, they, they already know it. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? I was like, "They, they already, they already know that, that you love them. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't need to say that. And, uh, They look around and they're like, actually, dad, it'd be pretty nice if you said that. And uh, he looks at them and he's like, what do you mean? You you know that. I mean, you know that. I don't need to say it. And they're like, well, um, no, actually, I mean, we know you, you love your car and we know that you love your job. And he's like, what? He's like, I mean, I I love my car. Yeah, I hated my job. Like, you hated your job? Like, yeah, like could have fooled us. Every bit of any time we wanted you to be anywhere, you were always off to work to do something. He like, said, well, I did that for you. And so literally there's this awkward argument around this bed. I don't really know any of these people. And they're negotiating the dynamic of love known versus love expressed versus love assumed. And all under this this kind of weird looming perception that this man is coming to the end of his life. Well... Thankfully, a lot of things got clarified that day in that room, and even better than that, um, he expressed not only love to his children, but he was uh, actually through the very simple procedure and back home with his family shortly after. And I'm saying all of that to you this morning is because I, I think that that's a more typical dynamic than we really Want to come to grips with. We assume people know that we love them, that we care about them, um, but oftentimes they're not really clear or as clear as we think they should be about it. And so the question I want you to consider as we move through this morning's message is this What would those closest to you say you care most about? What would those closest to you say you care most about? You you might say, well, I care about them. That's what they would say. Would they maybe say that you care more about your car or your job? This is actually a rather difficult question because we as humans, we'd like to think that those closest to us get us. And and what I mean by get us is, is I mean that they'll say what we hope they'll say to that question. Like that they understand like this gentleman in his hospital bed that, that he would just hope that obviously his kids would just repeat back, oh yeah, listen, because he always provided, because he was, it was a, um, a hardworking guy, we know, we know he loves us. Because of those things, we know he loves us. But it's not the case. It's not the case at all. In fact, his actions were communicating something very different than what he thought they would. We like the idea that everyone would always assume the best of us, (laughs) that they would see beneath and understand our motives. That's why some of us think we shouldn't have to tell those closest to us how they've offended us, when they've offended us. You know, they should just, they should know what they did. You ever hear that? You ever be in the midst of some type of misunderstanding and, and either a parent or a spouse or a family member looks and says, you know what you did. That statement makes me freeze like a cartoon character. Like, and they're like, you know what you did. I mean, come on, you know. And I'm like, and literally, I feel like in my mind, I'm such a visual person that, like, in my mind, I feel like a, a cartoon character bubble start popping up and I start reliving these moments throughout the day. Like, huh, no, that wasn't it. Huh, no, that wasn't it. And I'm literally like thinking, I don't know what I did because I know my motives. And I didn't do anything malicious. So I'm trying to process what it is I did and all I can get in return is, you know what you did. You guys know what I'm talking about. We've all heard that. I mean, it's a nice thought. It's a nice thought. And we've all expressed that on some level to someone else. As much as we kind of hate it, we've done it. It's not very realistic though. It's not very realistic that someone would know what they did. Because if they knew what they did, or what they said, that would mean that they did it intentionally. I mean, they did it with intention. And that's what we're kind of saying in that moment is that we're assuming the worst of them, that they know what they did because they did it intentionally. They heard us and they should know. And although that may unfortunately sometimes be the case that we do things with evil or malicious intention, more often than not, we don't know what we did because we didn't intend something bad. And we can't read that person's mind. We can't read their mind. Now, <laughs> just wait a second, because I can almost like hear some of you nudging a spouse as you're watching this or listening to it, be like, see, I can't read your mind. See, look, he's, he's telling you exactly what I always say. <laughs> well, just chill out a little bit, because before you get too excited and rejoice about what you think might be ammunition for your next argument, let me say this. Our actions reveal our hearts. Our actions reveal our hearts. So what it is that we did reveals our heart, our heart motive. So whether you're desiring to be known this morning or or sick of being misunderstood, the truth is, as humans, we are known by our actions. We're known by what we do. We've all heard this. Actions speak louder than words, right? You've heard it before. Words have power, for sure. There's no question. Like, there is the power of word. But we have to live a life with intention. If our lives are not lived with intention, then we leave gaps for people to assume, for people to conclude, for them to draw their own conclusions. And when we don't live with intention, they're left with just the actions that we do take. That maybe we do love our job more than we love them. Maybe we do love that item more than we love them. And so the author of 1 John, John, is is telling us today, for the love, do something. Do something. Let your actions speak about the love that you claim to have. Let's look verse 16 this morning says this by this we know love that he laid down his life for us he's talking about jesus jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers now this morning's text is although it has profound implications it's rather straightforward And so there's no underlying aha moment with the exception that I think as we talk about what the author's actually saying, it might change some of our perspective and it might be an aha moment within the way we live our lives. I love the verse because John starts off this pericope, this section of scripture with what Jesus did, what he did. God could tell us that he loved us and, and we're talking about one of the disciples of Jesus. So John or John the Beloved, he's also referred to. He was one of the closest disciples. If not, I mean, he proclaims himself to be the best friend of Jesus. And so he lived a life close to Jesus. So he, he could say, listen, I spent a lot of time with Jesus and he just wants you to know he loves you. <laughs> and we'd be like, okay. But he doesn't say that. He's not, he's not relaying information. Instead, he's saying, listen, I want to explain Jesus' love for you via what he did for you. So, God could tell us that he loved us. And, you know, whether we uh, understand this phrase or agree with it, the fact is there's this phrase in our culture that talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Anybody can say anything. And so God could tell us that he loves us maybe by some of the ways that others have told us that they love us only to have their actions be contrary to their words. But this single act, by the single act that Jesus took, we have the ability to know love. To know love. That's what the text says. Now listen, the Bible says, if you want to know love, to comprehend it, to truly understand love, that's what this word means, to know it, to truly understand, to comprehend, to fully grasp the depth of love, you need to look at the cross. You need to look at the cross. In our culture, regardless of age, we talk about love. Right At a very, very early age, talk about, I love you, you love me, I love dog, I love binky. Like, <laughs> you're like, we talk about love. We think about love, we write about love, we sing about love, but do we really, really know what love is? Look at the cross. Look at the cross to understand love. Now get this, our human capacity to know and to show love is in direct correlation to how well we understand the gospel. Think about that. That our our capacity, our ability to really know and show love, is in direct correlation to how well we understand the gospel. Man, that's offensive. Like it's problematic because you might find yourself sitting there being like, I don't, I don't fully understand or grasp the gospel. But I mean, I love my wife. I love my kids. How dare you say I don't understand love or I don't know love? I mean, am I saying that we don't truly? love the way God intends us to love others, unless we understand the gospel? Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I hope some part of you is offended by that because the gospel is offensive. It it should disrupt us It should bother us and shake us. We we live our lives all too often on cruise control and and checking the box of church. But here, the reality is that one of the, the most unfair things in human history, an innocent man dying a death he did not deserve, is the expression of the truth of the gospel. And that by nature is offensive. It's disruptive. It's problematic. You have to wrestle with it. It should shake our priorities. It should cause us to examine ourselves. My hope this morning is that you walk away from this message rethinking the actions that you take, the legacy of your life, the way you live, how that's interpreted as love or otherwise. You see, when we understand what was done on our behalf, it compels us to love. If we understand that, it compels us to love. We know love because of the cross. We love because we are loved. We love because we are loved. If you don't understand that you're loved, then you you can't love others. It's an empty well. At your best, you're you're conjuring up the perception of love, the the perception, which oftentimes look like affection or being enamored by someone or infatuation, but not love. Love without the gospel is about self. It's about self. That's human nature. We survive at all costs. I love because of what I want or because it's a reflection of me or I want people to perceive me a certain way. But Jesus displays and defines love that's counterintuitive. It's countercultural. Nothing was in it for him. He loved expecting nothing in return. Like, can you comprehend that? Because we don't do that unless we can understand the gospel and we've allowed it to transform our hearts the reality is we love with the expectation of something in return and if something is not returned our love is is conditional and at times it hangs in the balance based on how well it's received you may say listen i get it i understand sacrificial love Hmm. and i would lay down my life for others Sounds super noble. And maybe you would. I mean, who am I to say that you wouldn't lay down your life for others? But talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And John gives us a gut punch. Just as we're maybe thinking, like, maybe I do understand love. He goes on in verse 17. And he says this. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? What? Wait a second. Like, I, I thought we were talking about, like, my willingness to lay down my life. And John is saying, oh, yeah, Jesus modeled that. But, um, you know, before you go all quick and say that you're willing to lay down your life, let's just take it down to something right on the ground level, on the ground floor. You know how you have stuff? Yeah, will you give up that stuff for others? Oh, well, I mean, I'd lay down my life. <laughs> you love so much, and you say that you'd lay down your life. And here's the deal. Like I said, maybe you would lay down your life for your family, for your friends. But would you, would you give of your treasure. Now, wait a second, because you might say, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd lay down my life for, for my family and, and my friends, and, and I'd give of my treasure. I mean, I give my kids things they don't even deserve. Oh, my gosh, the things they have. And, and maybe you're a teenager out there that's like, listen, m- m- my friends need anything. They can have the shirt off my back. I'll give them anything. And so maybe we think uh, in this context of the idea of sharing and giving and laying down life with those that we love, But how about this? Do you lay down your life for a stranger? Look at the cross. Remember? Jesus laid down his life for his enemy. How about that? Did you lay down your life for your enemy? You're like, well, I mean my life. I mean my kids depend on me. And uh, come on. Okay. How about your treasure? How about your worldly goods? Would you give of what you have to your family? That's easy. That's low hanging fruit to those you love. Yeah, because they love you back. But what about a stranger? What about an enemy? What about living generously where you give expecting nothing in return? The only way, the only way you can do that is if you've looked at the cross and you've allowed the truth of the gospel to transform your heart, where all of a sudden the things that you possess are not actually yours at all, but they're a blessing and a gift from God. And if it's all God's, then who are we to hold it? We're simply stewards of the things he's blessed us with. And if he directs us to give, then we give. We give generously. We give recklessly. That's love. That's love. Starting to get it now, right? Very straightforward and and fairly simple and yet revolutionary. Because we don't really we don't really do that well. We love for self so often. Will you give of your treasure? Now, before you sit back and be like, "Oh, this is just like a a well-crafted way to ask for my money." I'm not I'm not talking about giving money to the church. I'm not talking about that. If the Lord's leading you that way or convicting you of that, then fine, follow whatever the Lord's telling you. I'm talking about something deeper and something wider. I'm talking about the reality that if we've truly been transformed by the gospel, that that generosity should flow out of us and that we should be doing something about the fact that we are loved, that we should be loving, we should be generous. Those closest... To you know what you care most about? Right? I mean, what would they say? What would they say? It sounds morbid, but at your funeral. What would they say if all of a sudden you're in a hospital room and, and they have the boldness to say it in front of you or maybe behind closed doors? I mean, they say like, Annie, sure loves his car. Tell you what, she loved our house. Man, it's all she cares about. It's all she talked about. About your shoes. I don't know. There's some people, they collect shoes. They have shoes. It's shoes everywhere. And whatever it might be, a collection, something that you have passion about. Is it your education that you find worth in? That you, that you talk about how intelligent you are. And, and it's really about your, your intellect. Do you find your identity in your job? What What is it? What is it that those closest to you would say this is what they care most about? Maybe. Maybe they would say the thing you care most about is them. And that's great. It's noble. It might sound like the goal. But that's not what John is talking about. John's talking about love for the brothers. For people outside your immediate family. Like, would someone say the thing you love most is your savior above all else? You looked at the cross. You lived your life in accordance with the gospel that as quickly as you had, you contemplated is God leading me to give. And I'm not saying that everything that you have, you should give. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply saying living a life attuned to the gospel of what the Lord might be leading you to do because You see, where and how we take action reveals our heart. It reveals our heart. So listen, Christian in particular, for a moment. If you say you love the Lord, but you're white-knuckled, holding on to stuff, holding on to your time, holding on to your availability, and just guarding it all, the Bible says you don't understand the gospel. what it says i challenge you to wrestle with that to consider it to consider the implications because verse 18 goes on and says this little children let us not love in word or talk but in deed and truth for the love do something don't just be people that say you love that say you believe, that declare the tag of Christ follower, but allow it to be evident in the way you live your life. We have a because and therefore, where we talk and challenge you to live generously, to be givers because of what Christ gave us. Live generously, generously. What would your community look like if you embodied this? And I know that we have people that, that listen and um, log on from all different parts of the world, actually. And so wherever you find yourself this morning, wherever you're listening to this, what would your community look like if you embodied this as a Christ follower, if you recklessly loved others, that is, the Lord led you to give, that you would just give, that you would act, that you would do, not with those that love you back, but expecting nothing in return, Lived generously, your hands open. Listen, like it or not, our hearts control our hands. Let me say that again. Whether you like it or not, our hearts control our hands. They reveal what's going on inside our heart, who we are, how much we do or don't understand the truth of the gospel. Love is an action word we must be people of action. Not selfishly manipulating or being philanthropists for for the sake of being known or or being perceived as a giver, but gospel motivated, loving with the expectation of nothing in return. Not talking about giving, but being someone that lives with their heart and hands open. So I want to challenge you. What's God speaking to you this morning in regards to the idea of giving of yourself, of living generously? I challenge you to examine your heart and your motives. We say every week that the text requires something of us. And so I want you to consider this question. What will I give this week? Pretty simple, right? What will I give this week? And what I want you to think about, I don't want you to think about dollars and cents. Like I said, it's bigger than that. And I hope you understand that as you look to the cross. <laughs> but I want you to consider what is it that, that you have to live open-handed with this week? What will I give? For some of you this morning, what you have to give is your life. You've been trying to live for yourself. You've been guarding, you've been maybe even calling yourself a Christ follower, but you haven't actually surrendered your life Jesus. You haven't prayed a prayer and asked him to be the Lord and leader of your life and laid your life before him and said, listen, your will, not mine. And so for you this morning, if you haven't crossed that line of salvation, it's as simple as praying this prayer wherever you find yourself. Lord, I'm a sinner, but you paid the price for my sin. You died the death I deserve. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. It can be that simple. If you pray that prayer right now, I'd love for you to to click, if you're watching live, click on that um, the prayer link so that we could have a conversation with you about that decision. If you're not listening later, you can um, reach out to us at connect at centerwaychurch.com and let us know so we can talk about the next steps so you continue in the journey. But for others of you this morning, maybe you've already crossed that line of salvation and you find yourself thinking about this question, what will I give this week and I want you to think in terms of, of time, talent, and treasure. Like, maybe God is, is asking you to give of your time in a unique way. Maybe it means signing up through our website in a way of, of serving. Maybe it means uh, making yourself available uh, in, in any way and on any way for the Lord to move in and through you in a dynamic way. We're in a unique season still, and I know that parts of uh, the community are opening up in different ways, and you might find yourself in a different phase depending on what state you're in or wherever you're listening from, but what does it look like for you to live with your hands open, to maybe give of your treasure, to to give to something beyond yourself? For others of you this morning, maybe you find yourself a Christ follower, and, and you're Constantly and continually giving of your time, talent, and treasure. And the trap might be, I do that. Check, check, check. I'm so good. I'm the model Christian. But the text requires something from all of us. So I want to challenge you to think deeper. Is maybe what God's asking you to be generous with is the story that he's entrusted, the narrative of your life. Are you living missionally? When was the last time you shared your story with someone? When was the last time that you gave expecting nothing in return and then followed up to to let them know that that wasn't just an act of philanthropy or kindness or generosity, but it's because of a God you serve, living missionally. And so allow these thoughts to kind of wreck you this week as you consider what your actions are actually revealing. And for the love, do something. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that we have the opportunity to understand and know love because you embodied it, because of what you did, because of the person and work of Jesus, that when we look to the cross, we see and understand love, not as culture defines it, but as you, the originator and author of love, reveal it. And so we declare ourselves available and we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us as we take action on what we can give of this week for your glory and our joy. In your name we pray, amen, amen. I wanna encourage you to stick around as we talk about how we can respond to this word in worship. Hi everybody, I'm Meredith, and I'm so thankful to continue gathering and growing together. And I'm really excited for how we're going to impact those around us by giving this week. We wanna encourage you to spend time asking the Holy Spirit what he wants you to give, knowing that it's one of the ways that we can worship with our whole life. If you're with us live, we're about to worship together through song. If you're watching or listening to the message later, you can find the songs that we're about to sing on Spotify. Just search Centerway Church and look for our For the Love playlist. For those gathered on the live platform, we'll see you on Facebook Live or Instagram Live in just a few minutes.